John chapter 3, verses 22 through 36. Amen when everyone has it. I'll go ahead and begin reading here, and we'll see what the Lord has for us today. John chapter 3, starting in verse 22, Scripture reads, After these things came Jesus and His disciples into the land of Judea, and there He tarried with them and baptized. And John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem, because there was much water there, and they came and were baptized. For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizeth, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. And that's important right there. Amen? Two things that happened right there. Just stop for one second. The disciples and the... Well, actually, the Jews here were going to the disciples, to John's disciples, and they were trying to stir up a division. Do you see that? They were trying to stir up a division right away. Oh, John, Jesus that was with thee, he's now baptizing more people than you are. That's what they're trying to do, is create a division, cause... Some kind of uproar, maybe make uh, John feel insecure or something about this whole situation. But uh, let's read further here. But I just wanted to give you that. That's what's happening. They're trying to create a dispute of some kind or some kind of issue here. Uh, and then John answered, said, A man can receive nothing except to be given him from heaven. What a smart answer. That just shows the wisdom of God. Amen. Just go ahead and, and, and uh, diffuse that situation before it even happens. Verse 28, Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. So he gives that testimony again. Verse 29, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that hath received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. If you receive the testimony of Jesus Christ, his gospel, his death, burial, and resurrection, that he came to forgive sin, if you accept that today, you are setting to your seal we are sealed with the Holy Spirit of God until the day of redemption. You're setting to your seal that God is true. You're saying, yes, God, you are true. I can't save myself. I'm lost. And I need you. Your grace is sufficient. I mean, I need you, Lord. If I'm, going, if I'm going to receive anything at all, it's going to come from you, God. And that you're saying God is true. It says, the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. Amen. I can't make everyone believe it, but that doesn't mean their unbelief does not limit the accuracy or the or my faith in the gospel amen um verse 34 for he whom god sent speaketh the words of god for god giveth not the spirit by measure unto him the father loveth the son and hath given all things into his hand he that believeth on the son hath everlasting life and he that believeth not the son shall not see life 
but the wrath of God abideth on him. I'm going to give you a few things to maybe highlight here, and then we'll talk about it a little bit. Look at verse 27. That's a key in the, today's message. A man can receive nothing except to be given, from, given to him from heaven. We'll talk about that. Go down to verse 29, maybe highlight that or put a little pin dot next to it. Um, here it says, uh, He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom withstandeth and heareth him rejoice greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This is my joy fulfilled. In verse 30, he must increase, but I must decrease. Our joy is fulfilled more in understanding he is more than we are. We have to decrease in ourselves that he may increase in our lives. And we'll talk about that for a little bit. And then we'll talk about verse 31. Mark that one. That's Christ is above all. And then the last one we'll talk about this morning. He that believeth not shall not see life. There at verse 36. So let's talk about these a little bit. A man receives nothing except to be given to him from heaven. Can I give you a couple verses on this? Let's turn, mark your spot there. Look at James chapter 1. James chapter 1. Look at verses 16. Everything we have comes from God. Amen. What John was saying here is the ministry that I have did not come from me to begin with, it came from God. So if he comes and wants to baptize more people than I do, why should I get upset about that? Because it's his ministry to begin with. Amen? Amen. So let's just focus on being faithful to the Lord and let him have his way. And, uh, you know, I just, I, I'm like, that, but that's what people do. So the first thing they did, they tried to cause a division. Can I tell you why they did that? Instead of attacking Jesus, division is one of Satan's easiest tricks in destroying a church. Amen? If, if, if Satan can get in a division, oh boy, things can get out of hand fast. Amen? And if you've been walking with the Lord for any period of time in your life, or you've been in church for a good amount of years, you've probably seen it, or know another church that's seen it, a division, and things get out of hand. And uh, unfortunately, we all get up here and we sing and we're spiritual and we pray and we preach. But I've seen a lot of churches that do that and they'll split over the color of the carpet. I've said, I'm telling you what, they'll find the dumbest things. They'll find the dumbest things to get mad about. And I'll tell you what, this is an example of that. He's baptizing more than him. Come on, would that not be a silly thing for John to get upset about? That Jesus is baptizing more people than he is, or something that that just that's not only that's not only trying to cause a division, but that's insulting the integrity of John to begin with by even suggesting that he would get insecure about something like that, right? And that's what the world does when they're trying to slip in. Those little, sometimes it's just blatantly an insult to us as God's people, the kind of things that they think we would get worked up over. Amen. Like. Where did that come from and why would... So just, I'll tell you what, don't, don't be surprised if the world tries to get you to be extremely petty or cause a division in your life and these things can happen not even in our congregation. They can happen within our families and things like that and that's just one of those things that Satan uses, division, amen? But then he, talk, he talks about everything that we have, it comes from God. Everything that we have. So 
The clothes that I have on my back, thank you, Lord, for that, because they're from God. Amen? The job that I have, that's from God. My physical ability today, that's from God. Or my lack of physical ability, that also can be from God. Amen? Um, all these things, the family that I have is from God. The Bible that I have is from God. Yeah, amen. Uh, the good King James Version Bible is from God. And it's been preserved for us because He did the work with that. Amen? Uh, I, the, the songbook we have is from God. It, we have each other. That's from God. I mean, everything that we have, the water we drink, the air that we breathe, the life that we have, it's all from God. Amen? And I, if you're ever in a place where you're just feeling like, man, I just don't feel right, just stop for one second and start with your most basic necessities and just start sounding them off in prayer, thanking God. You know what, Lord? I'm not having a good day, but you know what? All things come from you, Lord. So I'll thank you that I'm alive today. You woke me up this morning. You breathed the breath of life into my lungs. You gave me a life to live. You gave me a job, the ability to pay my bills. You, you put food on our table, and, and that is a miracle these days. You see how it's expensive to shop anymore, and I'm not going to get into that. You just thank God. No matter what's happening in our economy and society, God can provide for His people. Amen? And so we thank God that He's provided. Thank you that I have food to eat. Thank you that I have water to drink. Thank you for the, the beautiful sky. They said it was going to snow, Lord. We said, Lord, we don't want it to snow. And he can do what He wants, but we have a beautiful day. Amen? Uh, and thank the Lord for that. So just what happens is, is there's a shift within your heart when you're down, when you just start thanking and praising God. And next thing you know, you forgot all about being down about something. Because God turned your spirit around about it. Amen. But let's look here at James. Look at James chapter 1. Look at 16 through 18. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Let me point this out, because this is on my heart now as I'm reading this. If you're ever looking at something that's being offered to you and you're trying to find out if it's from God or not. Have you ever been in that situation? God, is this from you? Is this what you're trying to give me? Remember this verse. Because um, it says here that the gift of God is one, it's good, and two, it's perfect. So if you're asking God, is this something from you, if the ends of receiving it could pull you away from that which is good in any way, then that's probably God's answer that what you're, what you're inquiring about is not from Him. I'll give you an example. This happens with career decisions all the time. Sometimes we're in a need, and God knows that need. We need to make more money. We've got something going on. We need to provide for our families. We want to, whatever it is. And we're looking at a financial need. And so we pray about a job. And then a job gets offered to us. It looks like it's from God. You have to consider what the... This is just an example, and this works across the board with any other example. If you get to that job and it's the money you need... And it's, every, it's the benefits you need, it's the schedule, you know, mostly the schedule you want, but then they say something that's like, well, wait a minute. And it, in some way, takes you away from that which is good. Well, you, you, won't, be able, you won't be able to go to church every Sunday. 
You won't be able to, you know, it'll pull you away from that which is good. That may not be from God. Because God doesn't want to pull us away from that which is good. Amen? Um, Example with truck driving. Because it's an easy example for me to pick on. I would love to have a delivery route where I could work Monday through Friday, day shift, be home in time. I would love to have that. None of them pay enough to meet our needs. Oh, except for one. And they did offer. Well, you can do this and it'll pay exactly what you could schedule you want. Oh, man, that's what I need. The benefits and everything is great. Yeah, see, you get excited because it seems like it's exactly what you need. Sometimes Satan bundles up something and makes it look so good. If he didn't, Eve would have never eaten from the fruit to begin with, right? He presented it as something that was good. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. Oh, great. What am I going to be doing? Hauling beer. Nope. Nope. Because I'm not going to haul something that I know is going to go to the store and is going to be used to pull somebody down into drinking and everything else. The same thing happened when I was in there and I was going up in the restaurant. I was new Christian. I was working in a restaurant before I got in the truck driving. And they was like, oh, we're going to make you a manager. Great, that's what I need, more money. we got to teach you to serve tables. And I got to serving tables. And I was making more money. And then I got a table and they asked for beer. Oh, I didn't. I didn't think I didn't plan on this. Well, I came under a terrible conviction that I didn't think God wanted me to serve alcohol to anybody. Well, God, I'm going to need a new job and I have no idea what I'm going to do. He provided. He provided. In your daily decision making, and I don't know what decisions you're faced with today. It could be a relationship decision. It could be, listen, that's another easy one to pick on. I'm going there. We by nature, does the Bible not say it's not good that man should be alone, right? We by nature have a desire in us to have a relationship with somebody, a meaningful relationship with somebody. But sometimes we can be taken advantage of and enter into a relationship that's not healthy because we want that relationship. We want that Love. We want to feel love. We want to feel that partnership with somebody. If somebody's life, Christian, if you're if saved believer today, I just look, and I'm not picking on, I don't know everybody's testimony. I'm just saying it is God's desire that a Christian man and a Christian woman would spend their life together. Amen. It is not God's desire for any one of us to marry to somebody that is not of the faith. You pray for a spouse. Wait on the answer, because if you're praying for a spouse today and one comes and presents themselves as somebody that is interested in you in a, you know, a relationship, if they're not walking with God and you are, that's being unequally yoked. That's a situation where they pull you away from what's good. Listen, if it's good and it's perfect, it comes from God. God's not going to give you something that's second best. He's not going to give you his third best. Or he's not going to give you something that's good half the time. God wants now every relationship we know is work, even if it is the relationship from God. And they're not all perfect. And none of us are perfect because a relationship is two sinners trying to share a life together. Amen? And so then once you get your spouse, then you've got to have biblical um, structure into the relationship of forgiveness and all these things. Boy, I'm thankful my wife is a forgiving person. Amen? Uh, Because I I need forgiveness. Amen? Um, And 
That's every marriage here. I would imagine it took quite a bit of forgiveness to go 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. Right? Because none of us are perfect. But every good and gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variables, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be kind that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So you got James 1, 16 through 18. Um, this is a man receives nothing except to be given to him from heaven. Um, think about our scripture reading this morning. You don't have to turn there, but we read from John chapter 15. In John chapter uh, 15, where is it? Verse 5 maybe? What did it say? I am the vine, ye are the branches, ye that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me ye can do nothing. Amen? If a man abide not in me, is ca- I mean, just we have to have Christ. Everything comes from God. Our ability comes from God. Without Christ, we can't do anything at all. Uh, I'll give you one more. This will go back to the Old Testament. Look at Psalm chapter 24. I passed it. Psalm chapter 24, look at the first two verses. I love this. Psalm 24, verses 1 and 2. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. For He hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in His holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart who hath not lifted up his soul into vanity, nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive the blessing from the Lord and, and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face, O Jacob. I want to be in the generation that seeks, that seeks God. It tells you right there, he, he, he owns everything. He possesses it all. It's all from him. So if we're asking for something in our life and it's consistent with what the will of God according to the Word of God would have for us, then He's not going to withhold. Now, he, the only time God is withholding something that would normally be considered good and consistent with the Word of God is if there's some kind of point of testing or purpose that He may have according to His will for our life. Amen? So there may be something that's not wrong for me to ask for, but the reason that He would withhold that from me is whether some kind of discipline, some kind of testing, producing some kind of fruit in my life, and also he's the one in control of the rewards we have after this life. So I don't want to, you know, some people, there are teachings out there that if you're walking with Christ, you're entitled to ask for anything and he won't withhold anything from you. Hmm, I disagree with that. Won't go down that trail today, but he can withhold things if he wants. Uh, He can give, he can taketh away. Look at Job. Amen? Perfect example. But what happened at the end with Job? Oh, his latter half was blessed twice as much as what he began with. Amen? So no matter what you go through in this life in the end, we're going to be blessed way more than we're blessed in this life now anyway. So I will say that. But you can ask for things according to the will of God. And if it's in His directive will that we would have those things, understand He's in possession of all things. He made all things for Himself. So he can. I'll give you one more on this. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. First Corinthians chapter 4. Look at verse 7. 
This is such a good scripture point right here. 1 Corinthians 4 verse 7 reads, For who maketh thee to differ from another? We're all different. God made us that way. And what hast thou that thou did not receive? Amen. Amen? How if thou didst receive it, why dost thou glory as if thou had not received it? Now ye are full, now ye are rich, ye have reigned as kings without us, and I would to God ye did reign, that we also might reign with you. So I think it's important here. This particular thing is some in the Corinthians who have been given a financial blessing, but because of the amount of poverty around them, were ashamed of what God had given them. All right, so that happens. What, but applied into the scripture of all things that we're given is given from God. If you know that who you are today, what you are today, what you have today is from God, do not be ashamed of what God has given you. Don't be ashamed of that, whether it be little or much. Don't be ashamed of that, because we are by, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Amen. Um, so don't be ashamed of that. But that's for who maketh thee to differ from another. Um, there's no place in the Christian life to compare yourself to the person next to you and become insecure. Because God has made you different. Uh, and He wants us to all be different. Because that's what makes the gospel so beautiful that the same Jesus makes all of us different people come together uh, rooted in one thing, and that's the love of Christ. Amen? How beautiful is that? So every faculty you have, every uh, ability, even the ability to think, your mobility, every movement at every moment is given to you by God. Amen? And where whatever condition you're in today, don't be ashamed of it. Because it's, it's where God wants you. It's where you are uh, with the Lord, and God can use that in your life. So rejoice. So there was the first one out of John chapter 3, is the fact that a man receives nothing except to be given to him from heaven. So be thankful for what you've been given from God today. The second one point in verse 29 is this. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom which standeth and heareth him rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. Can I tell you something? It's great to see rejoicing at the voice of the bridegroom. The bridegroom is Jesus Christ. Amen? And just like he came onto the scene here and John rejoiceth, he didn't get insecure. He didn't let them divide him away because of the ministry change shift from John to uh, Christ. But also it's important to understand that in the Bible, not everyone that hears the bridegroom's voice rejoices because they hear it. Amen? So the question I have for you today is, will you rejoice when you hear the bridegroom's voice? Will you rejoice when you hear the bridegroom's voice? Turn with me if you will. We're going to stay in the Gospels here. Go back to Matthew 25 for a second. Best example I can give you on this topic. Matthew chapter 25. Look at verses 1 through 13 if you will. I'll begin to read here. Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13 reads this, Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. I want to point out to you, 
If all ten were virgins, the significance of this is that all ten would be considered by all appearances to be moral, right? Um, to be pure. So I just point that out. Um, so morality, purity. But watch what happens. And five of them were wise and five were foolish. Uh, I guess we can make it look good and still be foolish on the inside. Amen. Uh, verse three, they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed, trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. But go ye rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage. And the door was shut. Afterward, came also the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Mm. Boy, what a terrible thing to hear. I know you not. The instruction is watched, therefore. For ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Amen? Strong words. But let me give you this. The Lord's return will test profession and service. Amen? They have no oil. And then the Lord said, I know you not. Can I give you this today? Oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Compare that to Romans chapter 8, verse 9, where it says in the Bible that if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Amen. So they had the appearances, they had the morality, they had, you know, they they were they were virgins, they were doing some things quite well by all appearances, but they didn't have the spirit of Christ. And he didn't know them because they didn't have Jesus. Amen. You can have religion, it can look good. You can have church membership, you can dress nice, you can do all these things, but they can't save you. You have to accept Christ, you have to accept the Gospel, and you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Um, and if you are, you'll rejoice when you hear the bridegroom's voice. But if not, they didn't rejoice. They panicked. Do you see that? Some of them were ready, and they were able to rejoice. They were there, they were ready to go in. The others were not ready, and they panicked. And they wanted some of them to give them their oil. You know what the significance of that is to us today? When Jesus comes back, it's too late. My salvation can't save you. My salvation is for me today. It's now. If Jesus comes right now, I know I'm saved. But it's too late. You can go run around and there'll be people taking advantage after the rapture. Trust me. Who knows what will happen? I don't want to know. I don't have to think about it because I won't be here. Amen? I'll be in heaven with Jesus. But you have to be ready now. Are you ready? Will you rejoice when you hear the bridegroom's voice? Let's go back to, go back to John there. Verse 30. He must increase, but I must decrease. 
So can I give you three verses on doing this in your own life today? Amen? Decreasing to myself that God may increase in my life. So write these down. I'll read them to you if you don't want to keep flipping through your Bible because I'm giving you a lot of different places to go today. I like doing that though. It's great when your points from your message are right out of the Scripture. Amen? I, everybody's got to, I'm not against stories and poems and things like that. I say that's, I, I'll give a story, I'll give a poem. I, but I'm just, the way my studies work, I like to give a lot of scripture. But you don't have to turn to all these. I will read them to you. But on this topic, he must increase, I must decrease. Look at Matthew 16, if you will. Uh, go down to, where do I want to start at? We'll start in verse 24. Matthew 16, 24. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So following Christ will bring you to a point of some self-denial in your life. How can you decrease that God would increase in your life? Self-denial. Alright, we may part with some things, part with some comforts of this life in order to serve a greater purpose for the kingdom, and uh, you'll be glad that you did. It's a worthy sacrifice. Uh, verse 25, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Amen? First thing about self-denial is, is first thing about decreasing the self and increasing God in our life is denying ourselves. So identify, take self-inventory, identify, is there something that's getting in God's way in your life? And if there is, deny yourself of that. Pray for the help to do that. Say, Lord, this is getting in your way and I'm acknowledging it. I want to, I want you, I want my relationship to be stronger with you. I want you to increase in my life. I want to, to do this differently. Will you help me with that? And then deny yourself and follow Him. Amen? Self-denial. So that's one. Taking up your cross. Taking up a cross is a burden. You may have to carry a burden in order to deny yourself that God would be increased in your life. Okay, so I'll give you two more scriptures on this. They're quick ones. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. I love this, what Paul says. <laughs> Did I write down the wrong verse here? I thought it was 31. Yes, there it is. Okay. Let's start and let's look at this. Uh, verse 27. 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 27. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him 
that put all things under Him, that God may be all in all. He is our all in all. Amen? Verse 29, Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead, if the dead rise not at all? Why are they then baptized for the dead? You know, this is a lot of this, this chapter deals with the resurrection. The fact that our Christ rose again, the fact that we will also rise again from the dead. Amen? From We will have a resurrection. So, while we... Our physical death happens. We're present with the Lord, but we will be a part of the set of a resurrection of the first resurrection, um, and that's a blessing in and by itself. But I'm not preaching on that today. Look at this point that he makes here. It says, "And why stand we in jeopardy every hour?" You know, Paul is saying, "If this is not going to happen, why are we even? None of this counts if the, if there's no resurrection." I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die daily. I die daily. There's, this is part of increasing God in our life. I must de decrease, He must increase. Die daily. Amen? Crucify the flesh and the affections thereof. We see these verses in the Bible. What it's talking about is understanding that we've got to get the flesh in subjection a little bit. We've got to push it around a little bit. We've got to deny ourselves a little bit. That's called crucifying your flesh. and It's got to be done daily. And that's the most important thing. I can die to myself today and wake up and live for the Lord, but I got to do it tomorrow or I'm not going to. Amen? We've got to prioritize God each day of our life. Walking in the Spirit, we are to walk in the Spirit, but I'm telling you, it is not necessarily a fixed condition that we walk in. And that's why there's a contrast of the flesh and the Spirit and the war that takes place. Die daily, deny yourself. Uh, one more, Galatians chapter 2. In 2.20, I love this verse. This could be somebody's life verses. I know it's it's very, very popular verse. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 says this, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Amen? That is the emphasis on how to decrease to yourself and increase... God in your life, you're crucified with Christ, yet you live, but not you, but Christ lives in you today. Amen? Christ is living in you. Christ wants to live through you. The life which you now live, you live by, you live in the flesh, but by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave Himself for you. So there's, will you, you receive nothing without Christ? Will you rejoice when the bridegroom comes? How to decrease the self that God would be, be increased in your life? And then you go back to John in this last point that I'll make this morning. Christ is above all. Christ is above all. Look at verse 31. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly and speaketh of the earth. But he that cometh from heaven is above all. Amen? Have we placed Christ above all in our lives today? And uh, let me give you two verses on this then we'll get ready to pray. And uh, we'll have a... Closing prayer today, and um, I don't see Julie, so I don't know how we'll do an invitation, but we'll get through it. Christ is above all. Uh, Colossians chapter 1. Go there with me, if you will. Colossians chapter 1, and look at verses 15. 15 through 19. 
The Scripture reads this, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Talking about Jesus. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by Him and for Him. See that? He's in control of all things. He's above all things. He's on the throne. He's in control. Verse 17, And He is before all things, and by Him all things consist. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. He's the one that's in control. Amen? Uh, Don't you love that? He's the head. Amen? He's above all these things. He's the one that's in control. For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. And I can't leave out verse 20 because it's so important. What did he do? He had all these things. He had all the he, he was in, he was in control. He was on the throne. So what did he do? He came down and died on the cross for us that he could share it with us. Amen. He didn't have to do that. But it says here, and having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. I tell you this today, whatever you've been through in your life, hold on to this promise and remind yourself of it. Whatever mistakes you've made, it's been reconciled by Christ. He did the work of reconciliation. Amen? And that's something to be thankful for. Go to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 19. We'll go through 23 and then we'll close out today. Christ is above all. Ephesians chapter 1, looking at verses 19 through 23. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward, who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places? That's where our Lord is today. The right hand of God the Father. Amen. What an amazing thing. And he's and he has this greatness of his power to us word. It's to us. He's directing something very powerful in his work that impacts us in our life. Amen. Those who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him in his own right hand in the heavenly places. Listen, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Christ is above all. Amen. Christ is above all. And he's put us in the position he wants us in. We're to serve him. He's above all. And then that there was that one last little thing. That last little warning that he gave us, he that believeth not, that was in verse 26 of John 3, he that believeth not shall not see life. Look at all the things he gives us in our life. Those are those first four points. Why would you turn all those things away? Knowing that if you believe not, you shall not see life. It goes in, Look at you look at Ephesians chapter 2. What does it tell us? Uh, we're saved by grace through faith. Not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. Everything we have, it comes from Him. Amen? He's above all. He takes care of us. And then there's a prescription in there if you want God to increase in your life, how to decrease yourself that He would increase. Amen? So let me give you these three 
questions. Are you saved by faith this morning? Are you walking with Christ today? And will you be rejoicing when the bridegroom cometh? And I hope that you can say that you will. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Let's have a moment of prayer.